On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into the village, or into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give God praise except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And so that's what I want to talk about today. You know, I want to talk about expressing our worship and expressing our praise and thanksgiving to God. Um, you know, if you have, if, you, if, if, if it doesn't come out, if, you know, first of all, you know, worship and thanksgiving has to come from the heart. So if it doesn't come from the heart and we're just mouthing words, it's not real worship, it's not praise, and it's not real thanksgiving. On the other hand, if you have it in your heart and you don't express it, it's still not worship or thanksgiving. So, you know, it's got to be, first of all, it's got to originate from, you know, God just giving you that, a heart of, of love and gratitude and wanting to express praise and thanksgiving to God. But on the other hand, if it doesn't come out, you're still not expressing it. God wants us to express thanksgiving. Now, we see that this guy, it says that in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. You know, I, I want to just ask you, do you think that was appropriate? Was that a good thing for him to do? Yes, it was. It was a good thing to do. You know, it says that, you know, that they were standing at a distance. And if you had, if, if you had leprosy in those days, you know, uh, it, 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 you were an absolute outcast. You had no life. If you were married and, you know, you uh, contracted leprosy, you had to be set apart. You were set apart from your, your family. I mean, you, you know, you couldn't live with your wife anymore, couldn't live with your children anymore. You couldn't have a job anymore. You couldn't show up at work anymore. You didn't have a social life. All you had is other, you know, men that were lepers that you could hang out with and, and in colonies that you could stay with. So basically, your life was over once that you developed or contracted leprosy. And so, in this case, these men are crying out, and I'm, I'm believing that they're crying out because they probably heard the rumor that Jesus had already healed some lepers, and, and they're just begging, they're wanting their lives to be changed. And, uh, you know, they cry out, they shout out to Jesus, and, you know, have mercy on us, Lord, and uh, they, in, a, in a loud voice, they're crying out to him to do something, and Jesus moves on their behalf. You know, the Bible says that the, God will not, uh, he will not uh, neglect the cry of the afflicted. And so, you know, maybe you don't have leprosy here this morning, but maybe there's something going on in your life. There's something that's holding you back from being all that you could be. The husband that you need to be, or the wife that you need to be, or the father that you need to be. Or, you know, maybe there's something going on in your workplace or in your finances. There's something that's holding you back, and, and you're feeling like an outcast like these guys were. And uh, they cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed them uh, real mercy and uh you know, and I want us to just think about this, you know, that uh, for those of us that in this, in this room this morning that have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, you went from just like these guys right here of having absolutely no life. You had no life before, 
You know, you're going through the motions of life, but you really didn't have life. The Bible says that Jesus has come to give us life and to come to give it to us more abundantly. And so when we come to him, we have, we have real life. I mean, we have life with our family, life, wife, life as a, a wife or a husband, life in our employment and in our finances, and just life in general. He gives us better life. Well, let's just think about this, this situation for a moment. You know, say a number of years go by, say 15, 20 years go by, uh, and this man, has his life has changed. He's been reunited with his family. He's got a job now. He's living now. Uh, he's been able to go to baseball games and football games, if they had those back then. Um, He's been able to go to the synagogue. He's been able to worship. He's got a, he's got a job now, and, and he's got a life. And he's seen his kids grow up, and uh, he's seen his daughter get married and his son get married and go on and, uh, you know, be someone in society. And all of that's passed, and one day he's walking through the town square, and he sees Jesus. And all of a sudden, his emotions just kind of come flooding in on him, that it all started when Jesus showed up in his life. Would it be appropriate for him to cry out, to shout out, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord? Would that be appropriate? Yes, it would be. It would be. And it would be appropriate for us today to remember how far we've come from your salvation that, you know, everything that you have in life, just like me standing around that turkey on Thursday, you know, looking at all of that and thinking that this is all from God. But even the broader picture of my life, my children, and, you know, this church family, all of this is from God. And we have so much to be grateful for and so much to be thankful for. But our unexpressed love and our unexpressed thanksgiving really isn't thanksgiving at all. God wants us to be in your own way. Not, you know, maybe you're not as demonstrative as this guy here who didn't mind, you know, I mean, he was willing to break through the crowds and, and just proclaim those great shouts of joy. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. I am so grateful. Look at me. Look at me. You know, I am healed. I'm healed. And can you imagine, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit last week, but on the way, these guys are going and, you know, they're looking at their hands and those spots are getting smaller and smaller and, you know, it's like all of a sudden it's gone and the guy's all, you know, what's my face look like? You know, do I have leprosy on my face? No, no, the leprosy's gone, but you're, you're still ugly. No, that's what guys would say. Guys would say that. Women would say that. They'd just, oh, don't say that to me. But guy, that's what a guy would say. <laughs> all right forget that uh, but you know just think about it you know you're they're going along the way it's just all of a sudden it's just like man I just these spots are going away and I'm clean and this one guy just like all of a sudden you know he's just like he's got to go back and he's got to thank God so I want us to just look at that and and I look you know I'm not trying to get us all to be the same I'm not all trying to get us all to be you know shouters and screamers and and thanking God but you know, that we're all created differently, we're all wired differently, and, uh, you know, in the stillness and the quietness of your heart, you know, with no one looking and uh, without your hands being raised, you can be expressing praise to God just as much as, you know, the guy that's more jubilant and, you know, excited and, you know, more, 
demonstrating shouts of joy. Remember we, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about different ways that we worship with shouting and, and, and singing and, and lifting up hands. You know, these are ways that we express our worship to the Lord. But, you know, there are other ways. And I'm going to just talk about this morning some, um, you know, some of the Hebrew words um, that express thanksgiving. Um, you know, first of all, number one is that worship and praise and thanksgiving and love, it has to be expressed. We saw, let me just read verse 15 again. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And so, as I said earlier, if it's not in your heart, it's, it's not coming from your heart, it's not worship. But if it doesn't uh, come out, it's not worship either. So you've got to be able to somehow express your worship and your praise. There are seven Hebrew words for praise or expressions of, of love uh, in the Bible. Actually, there are 11, but these are the seven that are the most commonly used. And if you forget this or lose this notes, just Google seven Hebrew words for uh, praise. The first one is yada. It's two Hebrew words, which uh, uh, yad is open hands, and ah, which is uh, a, a root word for Jehovah, uh, hands lifted to God and thanksgiving. The second one is todah. It's uh, an extension of hands to God and thanksgiving, just like lifting up your hands. Uh, Shabbat is a, to shout in loud tones of thanksgiving. That's what this leper was doing, shouting in loud tones of thanksgiving uh, in triumph to God. Uh, Barak is to kneel down to bless God in adoration and thanksgiving. Zamar is a musical uh, word to pluck the strings of an instrument, joyful expressions of music with a string instrument and thanksgiving. Halah, which is the, the root word that we use for hallelujah, is to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish in thanksgiving. Uh, and the last one is tehillah uh, from the word hala, singing laud, uh, singing hymns of the Spirit and singing praises and thanksgiving. And all of them have that kind of thanksgiving expression to them, all seven of those words. And so, you know, as I begin to look at this and think about this, I, I'm, I'm wondering in my, in my heart, in my mind, what keeps us, what would hinder you from really, you know, expressing, you know, thanksgiving to God? And there are several, th several things that come to mind. You know, hurts will keep you from expressing thanksgiving to God, or offenses, or coming from a dysfunctional family. Maybe you grew up in a family, um, you know, that didn't know how to express love. And, you know, I, I, I've shared this with you before, but uh, there's been a, a man in a part of our uh, men's group, you know, I've known for many, many years, and he said that he was 41 years old, 41 years old, before his father ever said, I love you. 41 years before his father ever said that. You know what? I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I tell you what, my, uh, no question, my mom and dad loved me. I mean, my dad, before he'd go to work in the morning, he would embrace me, he would kiss me, he would hug me. First thing that he did when he came back in the evening, you know, I'd be there waiting for him, and he would come in and kiss me and hug me. There was no question that, I mean, I had, there was love. I mean, our house radiated love. We didn't know God, but we knew love. We radiated, the house just radiated the love of God. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. I mean, express love to one another. Uh, 
There's one verse in the Bible, Psalm 100, verse 4. Many of you know this verse. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, in that passage of Scripture, in that one verse of Scripture, there are four of the seven words that we just used, uh, you know, in expressing thanksgiving and blessing uh, to the Lord. Let me read it to you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's the word todah. That means with lifted hands. And into his courts with praise. That's tehillah, uh, to sing praise. Be thankful, yadah. Extend your hands to him. And bless Barak, kneel before him and bless his holy name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Let me read it, just giving you the definitions. Enter his gates with lifted hands. And into his courts singing praise. Be thankful by extending your hands to him. And bless by kneeling his holy name. Amen, that's good stuff, isn't it? That's the way that God wants us to come in. You know, entering in with real thanksgiving. Not, you know, just this fabricated stuff where, you know, just if you're doing it and you're just kind of going through the motions and it's not really coming from your heart. And so what makes, you know, worship and gratitude, what, you know, what causes that to come from our heart? Well, there's something in this story, and I think we can see a pattern. I want you to see it because if you're not, you know, a grateful person, if you're not, you know, experiencing your love and praise to God, you know, in thanksgiving, maybe there's something, maybe there's something missing in your life. And I just want to just kind of break this passage of scripture down. And the second point I want to make is that miracles produce thanksgiving. We saw this guy coming and thanking Jesus, but he only did that. There were 10 guys that were standing far away but the one guy only came and expressed his gratitude after he saw the miracle. And let's look at it. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Worship is giving thanks. When you give thanks, when do you give thanks? After you receive something. After he received his miracle, he came and he gave thanks. In John chapter 9, we see another example of this. This is the story of the blind man. Having said this, speaking about Jesus, he spat on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes, and he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And then later on, Jesus catches up with him. They've already, the religious leaders have thrown him out of the synagogue. And Jesus heard that he'd been thrown out of the synagogue. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. And in fact, he is the one that is speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So the worship didn't come. The thanksgiving didn't come in his life until after the miracle of seeing came. So, you know, uh, is there a pattern here? Is there a pattern of miracles in our lives, seeing God provide just in incredible ways and whatever it may be in health, in relationship with your, your family, husbands and wives, with your children, at work, in your finances, and then that expression of thanksgiving comes and praise. And so if miracles produce thanksgiving, 
You see the pattern here. If miracles produce thanksgiving, what produces miracles? Well, it says that when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now think about this. Now the Bible says that, you know, this is part of the Old Testament law, that if you were healed of leprosy, uh, that was what you were to do. You were supposed to go show yourself to the priest. But at the moment that he said that to them, he says, go show yourself to the priest. I mean, they could have been thinking a lot of things, and one of them could have been, well, you know, if you heal me, if I'm healed, I'll go show myself to the priest. But right now, I still got the spots. You know, God doesn't work that way. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but God doesn't work that way. You know, let me just kind of give you some examples. Children of Israel leaving Egypt, they're kind of between the, the mountain and the Red Sea, and God tells Moses, lift up your staff. Moses could have very easily said, what for, God? You see that Pharaoh's army is coming, and you want me to lift up my staff? Why? And why would I lift up my staff right now? We got problems, God. Don't you see that Pharaoh's army is on our heels? But, God, but Moses was faithful. He was obedient to what God said. I don't think he even knew what was going to happen. He lifts up his staff, and the waters part. And then we see, as the children of Israel get into the promised land, and Joshua was taking them across the Jordan, and God says to the priests that are carrying the ark, he says, I want you to step into the water. They could have very easily said, God, it's wet, it's cold, it's going to be deep, we're going to sink. And when they took in those steps of obedience, stepping into the water, the water stopped, and it says that they went across. It says it piled up in a heap, and they went across on dry ground. Well, the same is true with these ten men. As they went their way, going to show themselves to the priest, you know, God did an incredible miracle. The same thing with, you know, Naaman in the Old Testament. You know, uh, Elijah tells, Elisha uh, tells Naaman, he says, uh, Go down and dip yourself into the Jordan seven times. The guy has got leprosy. And you know, we know that story that Naaman just, he, he argued a little bit. He didn't want to do this. You know, he's, he's thinking that there are better rivers in the place that he's come from. Uh, in Syria, there are better rivers there, cleaner water. He argues a little bit. His servant said, look, if this guy would have told you to do something complicated, you would have done it. You know, how much easier when he tells you to just go down and dip yourself seven times in the water and be healed. And he dips himself. You know, he could have been thinking every time, you know, I still got leprosy after dip number one, after number two, three, four, five. I still got it. I still got it. But I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient. And he's obedient. He's healed. So if thanksgiving, if, if miracles produce thanksgiving, and obedience produce miracles, and you're not seeing miracles in your life, let's just back it up a little bit. Is there an area in your life that you're being disobedient in? Nina, Nina talked about Jesus, how he was obedient to his parents at that very young age. I want us to just, you know, I, I don't think that things fall in the Scripture or that Scripture is in place by accident. I believe that it's orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we read a story like this, I think it's good for us to read what's on both sides of the story. And so before we get to this story of the, uh, of the leper, the ten lepers, um, 
I want us to look at another passage of Scripture, and that's what comes just before that. And before I do that, let me just read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, uh, the God of your fathers, has promised you. He says, be careful to obey. Be careful to be obedient. And as I'm saying this, I'm just praying this morning that, you know, guys, it's, it, we have a tendency, you know, to, uh, I, I love that song. And one of the lines of the song, it's, uh, it's, you know, our hearts, Lord, our hearts are prone to wonder. And, you know, when Jacob is gathering his flock and his family and he's telling them, he says, look, guys, just I want you to do a careful search. Have you let something in? Have you let some foreign idols in? Have you let something come into your life that shouldn't be there? And we remember that, I think it's in Deuteronomy chapter 7, you know, when the Lord's telling Moses, he says, when you go into this land, be careful that you don't pick up on some of the habits of the people that are in this land. You be faithful and obedient to me. And sometimes we have a tendency to just waver and wonder, and the next thing we know that we're doing things that are, you know, specifically prohibited in the Scripture. And God wants us to be obedient. Remember uh, King Saul? And, uh, you know, he, he goes out and, he, you know, the, the prophet Samuel sends him out. Uh, he's supposed to kill the Amalekites. He's supposed to utterly destroy the Amalekite nation. And, uh, and everything that they had, all of their flocks and, and everything, uh, it was just like contaminated in the eyes of God. God says, just destroy it. And when Samuel shows up, uh, you know, uh, Saul, King Saul says, I did everything you told me to do. I, I was obedient to everything you told me to do. And he said, really, were you? Were you obedient? Then, you know, why is it that I hear the moaning of the cattle and the bleeding of the sheep if you did everything that I told you to do? And he says, well, we saved the best of those so we could sacrifice that to God. And, and that's where we get that scripture. That's where that phrase comes, you know, to obey is better than to sacrifice. God is not interested in us sacrificing. He's more interested in us being obedient to him. So let's get back to the story here. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, verse 1. And he says to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him that a millstone was hung about his neck and that he was thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, uh, and, and in seven times in a day, returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And so the Lord said, if you had faith as a, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes from the field, come at once and sit down to eat, but will not rather say to him, prepare something from uh, my supper, and gird yourself and serve me until I've eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded to him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants and we have done what was our duty to do. Now, all of, we, we all know that scripture. We've read that scripture a thousand times, I hope. But 
notice what the, the disciples are saying. They're, they're, you know, Jesus is saying to them, you know, if your brother sins against you uh, and he comes and, and asks you to forgive him, forgive your brother. And I think that they probably looked at each other and they said, yeah, okay, Lord, we can do that. No problem. We can do that. And then he says, and if your brother comes and he sins against you seven times in one day, he says, and then he comes back and asks seven times for forgiveness, you need to forgive him. And I think they looked at each other and said, wait a minute, Lord, you're talking about seven times a day this guy comes and sins against me? We're going to need a lot of faith. We're going to need faith to do that. And Jesus, I think Jesus is kind of, you know, giving them, well, he didn't, he didn't make the whip then, but he might have been thinking about it. <laughs> he's like, you knuckleheads. I don't, I, I, he probably says something like that, or he's thinking it. You know, he, he's saying, you know, this isn't about faith. What are you saying? He said, what I just told you to do is not about faith. You know, and I've heard people say this to me, you know, this person has wronged me so, so much that it's going to take a lot of faith on my part to forgive them. You know, what Jesus is saying here, that this is not really about faith. What this is about is you being obedient to God. Now, he says, I'm commanding you. This is not a suggestion on the behalf of the Lord. He's saying, if your brother sins against you, you need to forgive him. If he comes in and asks for forgiveness, you need to forgive him. And if he does that seven times in a day, and seven times in a day comes back and asks you to forgive him, you need to forgive him. And it's not about faith at all. This is not about faith. It's about obedience. And I think that the connection here between that passage of Scripture and what we see in these ten men being obedient Go show yourself to the priest. You know, they could have easily said, Lord, look, I mean, we have leprosy. We can't even get close to the priest. But as they went in obedience and faith and obedience to what Jesus told them to do, their lives were changed. And I want to say to you, church, that when you are faithful in obedience to the Lord, your life will be changed. And you will see miracles in your life and those miracles will, will produce that loud, boisterous praise to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I am so grateful, Lord. Look what you have done in my life. And when you see what God has done in your life, and others see what God has done in your life, you know, it's a testimony. It's contagious. It's just like, you know, man, I, I need to be there too. What are you doing? And you simply just say, I'm loving God. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm not always perfect. I'm not always perfect. Just ask my family. They'll tell you. But guys, you know, just because we don't think we can be doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be. We shouldn't strive to be. God wants us to just, you know, just, you know, where there's areas that are, you're weak and areas in your life that you're weak in. I want you to know that we serve a big God. And he is bigger than any problem that you face today. He is bigger than any hurt that you have. He's bigger than any disappointment that you have. And, you know, it's not like we won't go through these things in life, that we won't face these things in life. I came across this uh, uh, quote by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and I, I put it in such fine print, I need something to help me read it. But uh, he was... Uh, 1800s, a, uh, um, a philosopher and a poet, 
but listen to, and he talks about, he's talking about, uh, the reason I came across it was because uh, he was talking about gratitude. And he says that one should cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously. And then he talks about, listen to just some of these quotes that this great man um, makes. He says, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is a great accomplishment. You cannot do a kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. And then here's one that he says that I really like. Always do what you're afraid to do. Those are good life lessons, little proverbs that we can live by. Always do what you're afraid to do. You cannot do a kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. There's probably someone that you haven't shown kindness to or expressed gratitude to in a while. And you can walk out of here and be your same old self, or you can take some of those steps of obedience to make life different, to make your life different today. And just like those 10 men, they took steps in obedience to God and their lives were changed forever. If you want your life to be changed forever, take steps in obedience to God.